Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am super excited to introduce to you guys one of my very favorite people in dogs. This is Allison Alexander. She is a world-famous groomer. She is a representative for a grooming product company. She is going to teach you guys all kinds of amazing things about how to keep your dogs clean and healthy and mat-free at home all by yourselves. So welcome, Allison. I'm so excited to hear you. Hi, Laura. I am so excited to be part of the Good Dog Podcast. Excellent. So I want us to talk today about a couple really basic things. We're going to talk about bathing, how to bath your dog, how to brush your dog, and how to trim your dog's toenails. Those three things. Like if we can do that at home, think how much better everybody's going to feel and look. Exactly. Those are very basic things, but something all dog owners, I mean, even I had to learn that. So there's no shame in the fact that we don't know how to do these things. Everybody learns. Right. Everybody learns. Everybody has to start somewhere where they are going to learn. I think a lot of people, we used to not wear seatbelts. We used to not know how bad secondhand smoke was. And a lot of people thought you shouldn't bathe your dog, but twice a year. But things have changed. And... We have a lot more breeds of dogs. The influx of doodles have really Mm -hmm. changed bathing and grooming requirements for the average household dog because there are a lot of doodles that live in the average household. So yeah, bathing your dog is very, very important. And so your recommendation in process, so it's going to be bath day and I'm going to bath my dog on Saturdays. And so... What am I going to do first? Very first thing I'm going to do. So the first thing you want to do is just kind of like take an overall look at your dog. Decide, are they really dirty? Are they matted? These are two different problems. So if your dog is matted, if you bathe them kind of haphazardly, you are actually going to tighten those mats up in the bath. If your dog is just dirty, hallelujah. We can take (laughs) care of that. It's not so awful. Take a look at your dog. Do they have burrs stuck in them? Do they have twigs stuck in them? Are their eyes runny? Do they have crusty things around their eyes? Take a look, you know, lift up their ear, look into their ear. Does their ear look dirty? And if it doesn't look dirty, it's probably fine. If it does look dirty, take a little whiff. Does it smell kind of yeasty? If it's just dirt, you can easily like take a cotton ball and any ear cleaner that you might find anywhere. They're all kind of the same. You can even take just a bit of baby oil on that cotton pad. I don't really want you to use a cotton swab. Q-tips are bad. Q-tips are bad. So somewhat like a baby, you don't want to put anything smaller than your elbow in your dog's ear. I like to use those makeup remover pads because Mm -hmm. I find they're a little bit more pliable and I can get them kind of around my finger and really clean. But if I just have a dirty ear, I sometimes just use baby oil and clean that ear. 
And I like to clean the ear before the bath because then if there is any oil, ear cleaning product, any of that, I can get that washed off in the tub. So take a look at your dog's ears, clean them. If they are really kind of black, dirty, and smell, then I would still clean them. But if it's ongoing, that's a note on the fridge. The dog might need to go to the vet and get its ears checked because a yeast infection can just get worse and worse and worse. And here in the Pacific Northwest, it's rainy, it's cloudy, it's moist. Even your dog's water bowl gets that pink mold in it really quickly within a day. So imagine our dogs are also kind of feeling those effects. Same thing, kind of like clean out any debris that they have around their eyes and any big sticks or anything you can get out of them, get out of them. So now if your dog has mats, take a look at where the mats are. Are they in those friction areas? So by friction areas, armpits where the dog's moving, sometimes in their stifle or in their flank where it's moving around their butt from their tail wagging or just simply sitting on the wet grass or sitting anywhere. And then typically around the backs of the ears. And then if your dog wears a collar, under where the collar sits. Or if your dog wears a harness, under where the harness sits. So wherever these mats might be, you want to maybe break them up with your fingers before they go into the tub. So you can pull them apart gently. You could put a bit of cornstarch in them. So cornstarch, most people have it. If you don't, it's super cheap. Sprinkle some in there and that really helps break that mat apart. Before Super they great in. life hack for everybody. Cornstarch in the mats. Yes. And you're talking about breaking them up with your hands. Do you have tools that I would have at my house for a dog that has longer hair? Well, even my long haired dogs, I tend to break them up with my hands first. Mm-hmm. You might have like a tail comb, a knitting needle. Sometimes that helps to break the mat up. But typically, I do just use my hands, whether it was an Afghan hound or a longer coated doodle, a doodle that hasn't been groomed in a while, whatever it might be, I'll do that first before I get them into the tub. So now when I wash my dog, so I'm actually going to get it into the tub, I typically want to always wash their face in something that is tearless, just because accidents happen. It's easy to get shampoo or suds or whatever into your dog's eye. So there are great tearless dog shampoos out there, but simple baby shampoo works just as good. So you could use something like Chris Christensen makes a product called Happy Eyes, but that or any kind of Johnson's baby shampoo, no name baby shampoo, just whatever. But I always wash the face really, really well, because, you know, that's a face that comes to kiss us. That's a face we want to kiss, right? Make it smell as good as possible. With all the gross in the beard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then when you're bathing your dog, you always want to start from the head and work down to the tail. And one thing that's really, really important for those coated dogs, especially dogs that did have some matting, is that we're never moving our hand in a circular motion. So a lot of people put the shampoo on and they're just moving their hand in a circular motion because that's how we wash our own hair. That's how we wash the car. That's how we wash the floor. But that's not how we wash our dog. So we always kind of want to be taking our hands and moving down the coat and kind of like pushing the shampoo into the coat and spreading the coat apart. Again, especially in those matted areas, wherever there were mats, you want to get that shampoo in there and keep breaking that up with your fingers, hit it with a bit more water. Any shampoo that you might buy to bathe your dog, I would still dilute it about four to one. So I'm going to dilute it in a big like gallon container. If you can save a gallon container from your milk or from something that is obviously non-toxic, you can mix it up in there because that just allows you to get it through the dog's coat a lot easier. So just keep working in all those areas, but not ever in a circular motion. And 
I think one of the most important things is to make sure that you can actually see the skin. So when you are working the shampoo into the coat and you're pulling the coat apart, I want to see actual skin. Yeah? Yes. So you're always pulling, no matter how you're going to dog, whether you're bathing it, rinsing it, and brushing it, we must always see the skin. As soon as we can't see the skin, that's matting at the skin. That's when problems just start to multiply really, really quickly. So really good point that we have to see the skin. We need to pick up that leg. We need to get into the armpit. We need to like really scrub around that foot. Get your fingers between your dog's pads. There's little stones and dirt and mud. Yes. But you know, if you have a smooth coated dog, you still want to clean in there. It's only going to take you five seconds. But if you have a hairy dog, they're going to have hair between their feet. And you really want to get that mud, those stones, the grossness right out of there. So on a heavily soiled dog that isn't bathed once a week, I'm going to give them two shampooings. I am going to say that a lot of people don't leave the shampoo on a dog long enough to actually do its job. They want to get it in and out of there as quickly as possible. So leave the shampoo on for one to three minutes. Get it all sudsed up. Get it in there. You really need to do two shampoos on the head and around the ears, two shampoos on the feet and two shampoos on the butt, all for fairly obvious reasons. <laughs> and then when we're rinsing, we really want to make sure that that shampoo is rinsed right out of there. Now, for people that have like maybe a longer coated dog, a doodle, something that they really need to make sure that that soap gets out of there. You have a little bit of soap left on your Labrador or your short coated dog. They might get a little flaky. They might get a little itchy. You can wipe it off with a washcloth. You'll be fine. But soap in one of those longer coated dogs is just going to cause matting, cause skin irritation. Right. You can make actual sores when you don't get that shampoo rinsed out well enough. So if you're worried about it because you haven't bathed your dog in a long time, your dog has a lot of coat, you could always make up like a 10% vinegar solution. So in that same maybe gallon container, maybe you've saved a couple gallon containers. You're going to put about a tenth of just plain household cooking white vinegar in there and just fill the rest up with warm water. And when you think you have all the shampoo rinsed out or you need help getting it rinsed out, maybe you didn't dilute the shampoo because you thought your dog was really dirty and now you're having a really hard time. Just put that vinegar rinse in there, leave it for a minute, and it's going to really cut that suds, the soap, the detergent, and really help you get it rinsed out of there. Hey, that is hack number two. I love that one, Allison. That is fabulous. It's really helpful, especially the longer coated the dog. Mm -hmm. Also, if you have a dog that does end up a little bit itchy, like your short coated dog, try that too, because I Mm -hmm. find for my short coated Mm -hmm. dogs, my other hack for itchy short coated dogs is head and shoulders. Interesting. Even on my poodle, I had a poodle that scratched the top of her head for like six months. And I tried medicated shampoo. She had a skin scraping at the vet, went through all this stuff. And then another veterinarian said, have you tried head and shoulders? And I'm like, no. And I tried head and shoulders and never itched again. And since that time, my go-to for my itchy dogs is head and shoulders. That is crazy. And it really works. So the other question I get all the time is people ask, well, is that safe for dogs? Well, Mm -hmm. they tested on humans. And often they test it on dogs to be safe for humans. So therefore, it's probably safe for dogs. That's unfortunately how that circle goes. And so, Allison, another life hack, life tip that I love, and you can speak to this as well, for your short-coated dogs that are maybe just flaky or got into something or what have you, Listerine, a little bit of Listerine, about 10%, 20% in a spray bottle with water. 
and you spray that on there and they've gotten into something gross and it just wipes the stink off. And it's also really good for their skin. It's like antiseptic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Listerine. And it also makes them shiny, gets rid of dandruff. Listerine is something I've definitely used for a long, long time. Absolutely. Okay, so we've cleaned their ears. We've washed them. We've rinsed them. And we've rinsed them for the third time, even when we thought they were rinsed enough. We've rinsed them again. Now, what are we going to do next? So if you have a short-haired dog, like maybe that's all you're going to do. If you have a longer-coated dog, now you need to put some conditioner in there. So conditioner is going to be your friend. I basically recommend whatever shampoo you get, you get the matching conditioner basically because they're going to have the same pH value. So they're going to work together. So one of my favorite conditioners, it's by Chris Christensen and it's called After You Bathe. And it's called a conditioning final rinse. So you could use a separate conditioner and then this. But the reason I love it for at-home people, I sell this a lot to at-home people and a lot to mobile groomers. And a lot to little people is because it cuts your drying time down by 30%. Okay. If you're at home and you don't have all the industrial tools and you don't want to spend like two days drying Fifi, (laughs) having something that cuts down your drying time by 30% is very, very helpful. So again, any conditioner you use, I'm going to dilute it about eight to one. Another thing is some conditioners are very thin because they have a lot of water in them and some are very thick. So if you're using a very thick conditioner, I suggest that you dilute it like in a protein shaker cup with a Mm -hmm. wire with ball so that it more emulsifies that conditioner throughout the water. Because otherwise you're getting a clump of conditioner, a bunch of water, a clump of conditioner. And again, hit those matted areas first. Behind the ears where the collar or harness sits, the armpits, the stifle, the flank, around the butt. Really get the conditioner in there and really work it in with your hands. And again, leave that conditioner on for up to three minutes to allow it to do its job. Most conditioners, you probably don't have to 100% rinse them out, especially if you're doing an at-home bathe job. You could probably leave about 10% of the conditioner in there, and it might give you some more manageability. It might help with dematting. It might help keep future mats out of the dog. So that's something to consider, too, if you're using conditioner. You know, you don't have to be quite as fastidious as shampoo at getting it out. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So I've got my dog washed and rinsed and conditioned and wrapped up in a big fluffy towel so that it doesn't go run amok in the yard and get dirty again. What's my next job? Okay. So before you bathed your dog, you made sure that there was a clean space for your dog to shake because shaking seems kind of dumb, but shaking is scientifically proven to rid ourselves and dogs of a certain amount of water over and above what towel drying them will do. <laughs> so I always have an area, maybe a laundry room, maybe a garage. If you have a really super nice clean yard in the middle of summer that they could, and I just like throw them there for like five to 10 minutes and just let them shake. So in the tub, I really like to dry their faces really well. And I really like to squeeze as much water out as possible. Again. On those longer coated dogs, you're not moving that towel in a circular motion. You're always like squeezing it down the leg, squeezing it down the body, squeezing it down the tail. As soon as you move the towel in a circular motion, then you're done. You're adding mats. You're making more work for yourself. So I've squeezed the water out. I've put them somewhere clean, maybe the laundry room, maybe the garage to like shake the water out. And then wherever I'm going to groom them. So maybe I'm lucky enough at home to have a grooming table. Maybe I don't. 
Maybe you have a picnic table outside. Maybe your dog is small enough you could put it on your washer or dryer. Maybe you have some kind of place that you could dry it. I suggest that you have a bath mat, like a bath mat that you would use in your bathroom, designated for grooming your dog on if you don't have a grooming table, because it has a non-slip surface. So you can put that on top of, say, the dryer. Dryer is a great one if you have a little dog, because it's a good height for you to dry it a picnic table outside or some kind of table that you can dry your dog on. And then the bath mat can absorb that extra water that's dripping down. And it's a nice stable place for your dog to be. If you have a grooming table and a grooming arm with maybe a grooming loop to help secure your dog so they're not running away every 10 minutes, that's helpful. We don't want to start drying our dogs when they're dripping with water. So, so often I'll help people and they'll send me pictures or we'll do a little Zoom call And they say, it takes me three hours to dry Fifi. And I'm like, it shouldn't. But they started drying and the water is literally still dripping off their dog. So you don't want that. And then you could use your own hand dryer that you use for yourself before you get into buying any other equipment. And a brush, probably you would start with a slicker brush. And you're going to start drying your dog. I don't suggest you start drying with the head because a lot of dogs don't like that. They don't like the dryer near their ears, near their face. So start on part of their body, maybe a part that's matted where their collar sits, maybe the middle of their back, just so they get used to it. And brushing at the same time that you're drying is very helpful. If you have a short-coated dog, we just want to make sure that the dog is somewhere comfortable and dry and warm. Dogs can get inflammation in their tails if they're wet, if the coat is wet at the skin and they're like in a crate or in a small area, or even out in your garage where it's cold. And we call it cold in the tail or whatever, but it's actually actual inflammation in the muscle in the tail. Right. So then you just start drying your dog. And I think that those of us who've been in dog shows and know how to hold a hairdryer cramped against our shoulder with our chin while we hold the leg and brush so we have two hands, we're crazy dog show people. You don't have to do that at home. But I think the important part is getting them dry, wouldn't you say? It's so important to get them dry. Whether it's a short-coated dog, like I said, that's going to get inflammation in their tail, which is painful for them. Very. Or your longer-coated dog. If your longer-coated dog isn't dry, if your golden retriever isn't dry, if that coat type, your golden retriever, your Shetland Sheepdog, your Collie, your Aussie, your Bernese Mountain Dog, your Samoyed, if they're not dry, they're going to get what's called a hot spot, which is at the skin. It looks really nasty. It can be big and weepy. They're going to have a huge bald spot there. It usually involves a vet bill. Often they are caused by your dog not being dry at the skin. So we talked about bathing. You have to see the skin. When you're drying, you have to see the skin and the coat needs to be dry at the skin. So the more powerful dryer you have, the better. Always have the dryer as warm as you and your dog can take it. So I always say, like, that's why you're always using your hand at the same time. So if the dryer hits your hand and it's too hot for you, it's too hot for your dog. But you don't want to do it on cold or you're going to be there for five hours, right? You do need the heat to actually dry your dog. Now, you can buy a little hold-a-hose, different things that will hold your dryer so you can get into all those nooks and crannies. But even if you have to do it in a couple of shifts, like you dry for a little while, give them a break and dry... And every time you put your dog back up on that table, they should be on a dry towel. So it's soaking up more of that moisture. But you want to be drying right down to the skin. If you don't, if you have a doodle, a poodle, 
and you don't dry them, they're going to mat. It's just going to be one big It's going to be worse. Drying is really, really important. When you pick brushes, one thing that I can't emphasize enough is doing the scratch test. So many people say, my dog hates being groomed and runs away from the brush, or they used to like it, but now they don't. Or they liked it at the groomers, but they don't like it when I do it. Well, a lot of times, cheap brushes are made by wire being straight, and then that wire is put into a brush. So the end of any cut wire, as you know, whether you've brushed up against a fence or anything in your lifetime, scratches you. Mm-hmm. So you've basically put 60, 90, 150 of these scratchy things into a brush and now you're putting it on your whole dog's body. So that's why a lot of times people will go to a dog show or go to a grooming competition and say, well, that brush is $40. I can get it at Walmart for $8. Well, I'm fine with you having an $8 brush as long as you have taken it and you have run it on the bare skin of your arm as hard as you're going to brush your dog. And if it scratches your arm, it's going to scratch your dog. And I just call that the scratch test. And a lot of times the reason that the brushes that you're going to find at a dog show or a professional, as we would call it, brush, Mm -hmm. is more expensive because the end of each wire is round ground. And that's so very important for the comfort and safety because enough of those scratches can cause a hot spot, a skin irritation, a staph infection even. If you have a bristle brush because you have a short-haired dog, you don't really have to worry about it. But if you're using a slicker brush, if you're really trying to do at-home grooming, and even if you slip off the dog and it goes on your hand and it scratches your hand, that's what it's doing to your dog the entire time. So you need to be aware of that. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay, so the last thing we have to do, we've got our dog clean and dry and his ears cleaned. We're going to trim his toenails. Okay. Always, everybody gets hysterical. The dog's hysterical. The mom's hysterical. Everybody's hysterical. Give us some help here. Okay. So first of all, I want your toenail clippers to not be the guillotine type. So I want them to be like a scissor type so that there are two edges moving together. So the guillotine type looks like a guillotine. One end goes up. The reason is that you have more control over the scissor type and the guillotine type twists the nail and actually hurts the dog's nail. You don't really want to hit the quick. I suggest you buy some quick stop when you're buying your nail clippers for emergencies. So if you do hit the quick, and when you look, so if you have a dog with white toenails, you can see the quick. One it's the of, pink part in there. The pink part that's inside the nail. Yep. Hold it somewhere light, wear your glasses, and make sure that you can see that quick. And you can get as close to the quick as you want. For dogs that are dark nails, if you look at the nail from the side, there is often a line like a cuticle line that looks like maybe peeling nail polish is maybe a good way to describe it and where that line is that is where the quick is in the nail if you look at the underside of the nail whether it's on a black or a white nailed dog if you think of the bottom of the nail as like a canoe and where that area is empty is like where that quick is Where the area is filled in is where the quick is. Where it's empty ahead of that is where you can safely cut the nail. So there's two ways that you can do it. Do it in a lot of light. I personally like to do the nails in the bathtub, typically because the dog doesn't expect it. The bathtub's a little bit slippery, so they're not as fighting you as much. Mm -hmm. I also don't like to do all four paws at once. I like to do one paw, shampoo the next leg, do the other paw, shampoo the next leg, do the other paw, because otherwise they're anticipating it. 
because you've just done it. So four nails, maybe a dew claw. So always check for dew claws on your dog. So the dew claw is a nail that's a little bit higher up on the leg. Some breeds, those beagle crosses can have dew claws on the back as well. So check for that nail because that's one that typically grows around in a circle. And so one, two, three, four, by the fourth nail, the dog's like, hey, what are they doing? But then you've stopped and you're shampooing the next leg. Then one, two, three, four, oh, four. I typically also start with the back nails Mm -hmm. because I find if they can't see it, they don't really notice that you're doing it as much. So Mm -hmm. also if you can flip your dog's front leg behind them so Mm -hmm. that you flip the leg back behind, Mm -hmm. somewhat like shoeing a horse and do their nails that way. A lot of times that takes a lot of anxiety out of it for the dogs. Mm -hmm. It's like they can't see it, so they don't really pay attention to it, which is, I think, helpful. But I find even if I don't do them in the tub, doing it one paw at a time Mm -hmm. seems to kind of break it up mentally for our dogs. It's not as stressful and not as stressful for us. That's the one I wanted to hit on is make sure that we are calm. The dog takes its cues from us. So if you are nervous... When you go to trim your dog's toenails, like you don't want to hurt them. You know, it's going to be a big fight. The dog is going to sense that and they're going to pick up on that anxiety and that will make them anxious. And remember that our dogs take their behavioral cues from us. I 100% agree, which is, again, why I like to do them one at a time, because even if you're getting stressy about it, four nails and you're done. You can shampoo another like. The other thing that I think is sometimes if you have a dog that has had a bad experience or you've just had problems in the past with doing their nails, I would like to see you do the method that Laura and I have talked about today before you enlist five family members to help you hold the dog down. Because I also find that some dogs just freak out because they're getting picked on. They are getting ganged up on. Like that is actually what ganged up is. When a gang of people hold something else down to do what that doesn't want done. So sometimes the dogs anticipate the nails even more because like, oh, for the last hour, it's just been you and me. Now there's three other people in the room. So you're going to do my nails. So I'm going to freak out. So I find that is a big thing. The other thing I'd like to say too, is we see some of those French bulldog breeds and some of them have those really straight nails and some of them just grow hooks. Like their nails just grow in a circular fashion quite quickly And at any time, really, but especially during COVID when there's been lockdowns and you could go to your groomer, you couldn't go to your groomer, you can get equipment, you can't get equipment. If you have a nail that you think is too long or a nail that's growing into the foot or a dew claw, you know what? Just be straight up about it. Go to a groomer, go to the veterinarian and just say, I miss this and I need to take care of it. I've had a nail on one of my dogs get away from me just because I wasn't paying attention. And I just thought, wow, like if somebody with less experience than me was trying to get these nails shorter, they might be upset about it. And it's for the safety of our dogs. So if there's something that is out of your control, you just want to be like, hey, I tried my best, but I couldn't get this done. So now I'm coming to you. And any good groomer or good veterinarian should just be like, yep, we've all been in this boat. I'm going to help you out. Right. Let's touch really quick on that, because I think sometimes people just don't even know they just plain don't have the knowledge or they don't think about it or what have you. How important it is that our dog's toenails be kept reasonably short. They don't have to be nubs, but when the dog is walking on its toenails, it changes everything about the dog's posture and gait and it can make them lame. Definitely. I mean, even just walking my dog on the beach, I see dogs that are slightly lame and it typically happens on rear leg first, 
but not always, but sometimes I'll just look at their front toenails and I know that they're lame from their toenails. And it can be difficult to do by yourself. And especially if you've somebody that has had a groomer that's been doing it for years for you, and then all of a sudden you don't have the same equipment, you don't have the same skill, your dog is more upset about it. So it's easy for those things to get away, but it is for the comfort and safety of our dogs and just go get a professional's help. And any professional that doesn't treat you in a courteous and respectful manner around it means that you need to find another professional. Any professional would understand. I've had lots of friends and family during COVID come to me and say, I need help with my dog or cat. Mm. I'm not really good with cat toenails, <laughs> but I did my best. But that's why we're here. We're here to take good care of our pets. Absolutely. And I think that is the bottom line. When we are bathing our pets, grooming our pets at home, it's because we want them to be healthy and we want them to be happy. And we want them to sleep in bed with us without smelling like whatever they rolled in in the park. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Allison. I sure appreciate your time. I know our listeners do as well. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com slash join. That is g-o-o-d-d-o-g dot com slash join. Or click the link in the show notes.